Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Great to have you with us this Tuesday afternoon on Late Lunch. Lots of uh, guests for you to meet over the next couple of hours. And of course, we have our two on Tuesday and top five countdown as well. And I have some lovely giveaways for you this afternoon. But let me throw a few facts at you to begin the show today. We are in Ireland, the joint fourth highest user of cocaine in the world. They say the country's awash with it. It's no, not, no longer an urban phenomenon, but right across the board and all demographics and all ages. Those are damning, uh, you know, statistics and points I make there. And I'm delighted to welcome back to the show someone who's been talking about it for years and years. She's an addiction counsellor, an author, and I really love her. Marie Byrne, great to see you again on Late Lunch. Thanks, Jerry. It's Thanks. great to be here. Well, great to be here it is indeed. But when I say those things there and you've been commenting on this, and one thing you've said recently which caught my attention, you say we're a country in denial. What do you mean by that? Who's in denial? I think we're all in denial if we have if we've become the fourth highest in the world. I mean, you know, Ireland has so much potential and we see ourselves as a great island and you know, how how have we got to a stage where we're at such a rank when we could be ranking as something better than that? So it's a reflection really, I think, on how we are ourselves, how people in Ireland are feeling at the moment. You know, the pressures they're under. Not saying that that's an excuse to use, but I'm just saying if you see that potential and that high high use of drug use in a the country, then there's a lot of people very unhappy here and a lot of um, families that are... Um, very broken, I think, at the moment from drug use. Um, and Marie, you know, you hear about cocaine and people will say, ah, it's recreational. I can take it or leave it. It's no harm. It gives me a bit of a kick. I'm not addicted. Yeah, of course. If I was selling it, I would say exactly the same things. <laughs> and it makes your hair grow again. You know, you could say anything to sell drugs. You must remember that it's the second biggest trade in the world and the arms trade is the first. So you're talking about billions, trillions of dollars and euros that go into this trade. So it's a, a quick uh, a quick way of making money for some. And of course, in the end, you can see now from what happens even to the cartels, they never really get away with it in the end. And there's too much death and destruction around themselves for the money that they make. They can't actually go anywhere freely. So nobody wins when you allow it to grow. But I also think that, you know, 
successive governments as well and I'm not blaming all of what they do but they have consistently debated about legalisation I'm not getting into that on a big because I find it a waste of time but it has given people the impression there's a safe way of using and as you said there you know people say it doesn't do any harm but if you want to know whether it does any harm ask people would they drink gasoline ask them would they drink um, ammonia Ask them where to drink weed killer. And because that is how the cocaine is extracted from the coca leaves. So if you can say that that is in any way good for you, you are definitely in denial. Because that's how it's made. And you have seen the upshot of this. You know, at the end of the day, you said there's an unhappiness underlying this you feel in the country. And that unhappiness is wrought on users, on their families, on dealers and across the board. Yeah, nobody wins in the end. And, you know, the, the big cartels obviously buy their way through countries, you know, and they pick people in positions of power and they put funding into things and that's how they buy their way in. And if money wasn't um, handled by some businesses and some financial businesses, then it would be harder for them to work. But it's happening because otherwise we wouldn't have any... Um, drug use problems in our country. Um, But I think, you know, what we need to look at really is how do we um, decrease that? Mm. Why are people in positions of, whether it's management or um, working in any type of position, why are they using in the first place? Why is it that people who don't use feel that they can't fit in, for instance, with managers in companies who may be using? Um, so why do they feel that they may not be promoted if they're not with the in-group? Is that a reality in business? It is a reality, you know. I mean, nowadays, people are using... I'm not criticising the people to use, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that there is a denial of how it's actually destructive to them, to their families, to the workplace. Um, and so I've met many people who don't use, who feel that they're not inside the group who do use. And, and we get this in any job position. They're afraid not to be part of the group. And and that comes back down to our self-esteem. And you have to ask yourself then, is that company really the place to be? Because it's going to have problems anyway in the end. I'm shocked. Are you surprised I'm shocked? I suppose I am really, Jerry. So I don't mean it in a flippant way, but I say no, that. I know that. But I, I know that you're dead serious. You're dead in earnest here. But no, that- I think it's very practical. Uh, drug use is is a practical um, negative effect on people and on workplaces and environments and it's very controlling. I remember being on a programme um, oh, it's a couple of years ago and I asked a particular politician did he use drugs and on the programme he said mind your own, it's none of your business. And that was live and I was thinking does nobody else think that that's incredible that you can have someone in a position of power that when you ask them if they use drugs, they say it's none of your business. When they're elected representatives for the country, I mean, we have put people into power to make decisions to make our country healthy, to provide homes for people, um, reduce the suicide in Ireland from drug use, you know, provide resources to policing um, and to provide help for parents who are struggling out there with teenagers. And they don't feel very supported at the moment. So I think we're entitled to ask, what are people doing? 
Indeed you are, and we all are, because we elect them, as you say, and we rely on them. They're in positions of responsibility. What is the answer to this? I know, look, we're not coming down the legalisation route. I saw no. a debate about that recently, and I don't know where that's going, to be honest with no you. Way. But in yeah, I think you're right. In, in the meantime, what can be done in the immediate term to reduce our, you know, we're fourth highest in, in the world. How can we get down that league table? It's unusual because people want to get to the top of league tables. How do we get down that? How do we make the change? What, what's needed? I think what you do, for, first of all, you have to have a commitment from the top down that they're going to supply resources to people who are ordinary people like you or I, who are, um, you're working every day and you need support um, you're trying to bring up families, you're trying to bring them up safely, that they have the facilities and the the support there to do that in the drug age. Um, I, I'm inundated with families who are asking me and teachers, what do I do if somebody's using in my home? What do I do? Because at the end of the day, the biggest intervention tool are the parents. That is the answer. They are the superpowers in this country. They just don't know it. And they've kind of lost their confidence in themselves and handed over a lot of power, I think, in many cases to people who appear to be in positions of power. And I think it goes back to ordinary people learning, what do I do? So, for instance, uh, on a small level, bringing it down to Mm. grass levels, if you have a suspicion that somebody is using, like um, somebody would come in to me and say, I'm not sure if my child's doing it, you know, the behaviour has changed are more angry and that well it could be teenage years mm. you know hormones but if it's a consistent thing that their behaviour is off in some way that their friends look like they're using or you've heard rumours and you think you know they're the bad kids and your child's the good child it's not about bad or good it's that if your child is with people who are using they will conform absolutely to that group because it's group identity yes well it's just teens um, and we've all done it in some way and that's why football teams and things like that can be good or a golf team or something because you have a group of people that you fit in with mm. and you identi- identify with. Um, so how do you empower those parents? What, what do those parents need? They, need abs- they don't need all the mixed messages they're getting at the moment of whether we should do, and I'm not going down the legalisation, whether we should legalise or not legalise. It's not even about that anymore. It's about the fact that if you take cocaine and there, it's something that's been mixed up with ammonia and gasoline. It's going to have a really hell of a bad effect on whoever's using it. And it affects their heart, it affects the brain, it affects the organs. Um, and it changes their personality because it affects the brain. So you have to take it really serious for a start. There's no excuse really these days not to go out and find out um you know, how can I intervene if somebody mm. is using in my house? There are support groups for that that are free um, around the country that you can go to. Um, but what the problem with it is, is that there's a denial. You know, and the denial is my child would never do that. Or my spouse or partner or whoever, my friend of it's ordinary people. You know, it doesn't matter whether they wear uniforms, whether they're um, cleaning on the street. It doesn't matter. Drugs don't notice no, it's what you work at. across the demographics, isn't yes, it? Right course. across the demographics, from top to bottom. But you know those supports you mentioned there, is that enough? 
you know, those organisations that are out there. You're, you, well, you, you need to get very proactive, Jerry. You know, you're very, you're very great. And I've seen the photographs of, uh, can I say this, your garden. <laughs> <laughs> it's phenomenal. And I, I've seen how the plants grow and the way you have everything so taken care of season by season so that the thing grows well. It's phenomenal. And I, it struck me that really that's what it's about, parenting. You cannot assume somebody else is going to parent your children or take care of your family situation if there's a problem in it. You must do it. Um, and if you are somebody, listen, who has a drug problem, I'm not judging you at all. I'm saying that you know underneath everything that there's a problem and your life is out of control, then you need to go and get help because it's affecting you and everybody around you. The reality about this is, Marie, that if you use this and become more addicted to it, the outcome may not be good. And you know this anyway, and especially mixing it with alcohol. What makes it, <clears throat> excuse me, mixing it with alcohol is lethal because it creates a chemical in the liver which can cause sudden death. Now, people, I've asked people who use cocaine, do, do you know anybody that died? And they may not because within their group they may not initially. But from working so many years, I have. And that's the difference. You sometimes, you can't expect a 15-year-old to have the same life experience. So you really need to intervene knowing that you have a bit more knowledge on the subject than they do. They may hear it's safe to use. They see celebrities and, you know, social media has opened up really a lot of good things, but a lot of bad things as well. And, um, you know, Snapchat and things like that. Kids talk privately all the time and they're doing a lot of things in private all the time. And that's where parents need to start talking to each other. And, you know, I think when children go to secondary school, you don't know the parents as well as you did in primary school. So you really have to get to know them and know what's going on there, if there's any stayovers or what their what their activities are. If they're in sports and that, you need to know what's the policy of the club. Are they allowed to drink underage or not? I'm sure a lot of clubs are responsible now and wouldn't allow it. But you have to find out, you know, will I be told if you hear my child is doing something they shouldn't be doing because I'd like to know. Do you know what I'm hearing from you? And I'm, I'm hearing this all the time. Back again to parental responsibility and getting into your child's life. You know, without, yeah. without you know, prying, but knowing, you know, that, that line, that, yeah. you know, is that what you're getting at? You're, you're really saying here today that, you know, despite anything government does and that legalisation stuff yeah. that goes on and that, you're, you're really telling us today that as a parent, you've got to know your child and your teen and you've got to be with them and you've got to watch them and their behaviour and know yeah. what they're doing and especially in secondary school. Is that your message today? If people did that more, would it would it help? Yes, it would. Definitely. And, and I'm not blaming parents. No, 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 in no way. They're completely lost at the moment. Um, you know, I think that the drug problem in Ireland is so bad that parents just wouldn't believe it if you told them to the degree Um of the pain and the hurt and the deaths that go on in relation to it, whether it's murder related or accidental deaths, but also for people who use, um, you know, they come from all sorts of situations. Doesn't mean they were all abused or hurt on that, but some people are very unhappy who've come from situations, and they do need support. And you know, very often for them, it's getting over the shame of the fact they're addicted. 
who knows what addiction is? You know, did I know when I was growing up what addiction was? You know, I didn't. And then I, I had friends who became addicted to things and I thought, what the heck is it that you can't stop? But it, it's something that affects the brain and the body physically and where you get to a point where you crave the substance. And that becomes a lifelong issue then. You know, so just using the, people say, oh, I only used it once and it's not so bad. But you don't know which time you're going to use where you become addicted. And then it is lifelong. You, you know, you stand the risk that you can never use any of those substances again or it brings you back to where you stopped. Mm. So people who are suffering from addiction at the moment really, really need to get help and go to someone for that. Whether it's a teen or it's an adult, it doesn't matter. Um, forget the shame for the moment, go and get help, mm. you know, confidential. A wash with cocaine, obviously that battle is lost because it just keeps coming and the uh, the rule of law and the lawmakers and the enforcers do their best and you'll, they'll, you'll see them seizing and picking up, but it still comes. And so that's a given. It's, uh, cocaine supplies are going to keep coming. Well, the thing is, over the years that I've spoken about it, we've gone from talking about cannabis as being a really big problem and, you know, it was so dramatic then. Now no one really talks about it because they mm. see it as nothing, but it isn't. It causes psychosis, it causes um, schizophrenia-like behaviour, it can affect the brain long term. So we need to go back to basics as to what do you do about anyone starting to use drugs? There is no such thing as safe use. But the problem you have with cocaine, of course, is that you have crack cocaine coming in off that, yes. which is cheaper. And now there's a mix with cocaine in America, which is a substance that is flesh eating. And we have always developed the next level of problem uh, that some other countries have. So I'm just saying, I don't mean to scare everybody to death, but we already have such a problem. We have to ask ourselves, why are our people in this country the fourth highest? And what is wrong in this country that our people are so you know, have to use substances to be happy that can do yeah, so much damage. How the, miserable are we? Yeah, that's you? the other thing I take you know, from it. You know, when you talk about wrong. this, that there's something underlying there yes. as well that really has to be addressed and got at. I was just reading in an article you contributed to recently, 80 euro for a gram of cocaine. Now, you're talking to somebody... Well, I, I have to say, I've never, ever taken a drug in my life. That's not to say from the pharmacy. <laughs> I, yeah. I run there when there's the slightest ailment on me or whatever. Uh, that's a different issue. But, you know, 80, 80 euro for a plus for a gram. If you get in on this, it's going to be very costly, isn't it? Oh, very expensive. And at a time when interest rates are going up on mortgages, I can tell you it's a huge mm. problem for people, how they're going to fund their their um, habit and that becomes a big issue it Mm. can put pressure on a family Um, they can lose their homes if they can't deal with the addiction that's in front of them Um, also for young people you'll ask them do you sell some or how you how are you managing this now maybe they have been given a lot of money from at home or they share money with friends but some of them will say no I don't sell I just get a bit extra and I just sell it to my friends Mm. and they don't see it as dealing 
But you it just is. think of selling to my mates. But it is, dear. <laughs> yes, of course it, it is. is. But they don't see it that way. They just say, I want to sell it to my mates. I don't go out in the street and sell mm. it. By the Ladies. way, I, t- I take a point. I'm just after thinking there because they'll be on to me saying, you take a point, you take a drug, you take alcohol. I, t- I, I meant, you know, the, the, the other stuff. I do take a drink and I enjoy drinking moderation from time to time, I have to say. But um, coming back to the big question in denial where you and I started, um, how do we get away from that? Who needs to lead us away from being in denial to accepting what it is and dealing with it? Well, it's a combination of pillars, I suppose. And one of them is, obviously, if there is an incentive there from the the leadership in the country, if they make a stand like Sweden did many years ago when the people demanded that we become more restrictive about drugs, we stop giving mixed messages about everything, safe use or what use. There's no such thing. It's rubbish. Um, I have never in my life seen someone become better or be a better person because they were using drugs. Never. If I did, I'd tell you for sure. And I worked all over the world, Australia and Brazil and everywhere. Never have I seen it. Um, So I think we need to get real about and, and stop fluffing about safe use of cocaine and party use. It is what it is. It's made from solvents. It's cleaned with gasoline. It's it's toxic. And that's what it is. Um, they're not going around chewing coca leaves here. Mm. They're using something that was washed down with solvents. Um, so I think, but I think that the parents in Ireland and people need to demand that we have more prevention uh, training for them mm. and I mean how do you intervene yes um, it's also how you talk to your child you know mm. do you just talk to them do you know what's going on in their life that might be affecting them they might be bullying at school that's a big issue mm. and I've also met a lot of children funny enough not that all children become drug users because of this but where they have um, issues in education maybe dyslexia or something and they're yes. trying to you know feel a bit low in themselves mm. Um, and cope all with these things. pressures. Yeah, and they're all out there as well. Look, I have to leave it there for today. It's great to see you again. Keep on doing what you're doing, writing, talking about this, working on it as well. And just to mention Marie's book, this is a fantastic book. It's called Angel in the Marble, and it's a huge seller, and it's available right now across the country. It's also on ebooks, and so it's, it's on cheap ebooks as well. If you want it to is. Buy it that way. Anyway, great to see you again. Keep Thank doing what you you're doing. Much. Thank you, Marie. Uh, some of your comments subsequent to my conversation with uh, the wonderful Marie Byrne about cocaine. Somebody there saying to me a, a very interesting, thought-provoking, but worrying conversation with Marie. Jerry, thanks indeed for that. Another one. What's frightening, Jerry, is how socially accepted cocaine has become and more often than not people judge you more for not doing it rather than doing it and Marie made that point as well especially in the workplace context that shocked me to be honest with you Uh, where if you're not in the cocaine circle you're not in and that is really really concerning uh, to contemplate that I have to say well I'd say me sidekick felt like kicking the can down the road did you? Did you feel like actually taking that can and kicking it from here to eternity? Did yeah. you? Throwing it through a window. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I, I did. I got thick with it towards the end. <laughs> I, I actually did. And I'm not talking to it now. You wouldn't get thick with anything. Are you joking oh. me? Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, tell them what happened to you because they probably are out there wondering what are they going on about on late lunch today? Go on, tell them what happened. I, no matter what I buy, 
I just can't get the hang of a tin opener. Basic, that in a nutshell. So the other day I was making tuna sandwiches or tuna wraps for the kids. Yeah. And I took out the tuna, cans of tuna. Mm. They don't have a pull ring on it. Yes. Just took out the tin opener. Yeah. Tin opener wouldn't work for me. Like it, I'd put the tin opener on and it had the the edge of it would pierce the tin. Yeah. And then it'd stop. And I'd turn the handle, but it wouldn't go anywhere. So I had to keep taking it out and then trying it again and it pierced another little hole and then nothing had happened. And then I'd take it out and it pierced another little hole. So by the end of it, the 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 tin around the circumference was full of little holes dotted, but I still couldn't open them. Flipping thing. So I ended up getting a knife. And attacking nearly it. Nearly killing me. <laughs> oh, attacking it. Yeah, oh, that's the word. Oh, she attacked it. She oh, yeah. attacked it in. She really did. Yeah. I, I, I know what you're on about. You see, people will say, well, she had those ring pull tins, but not, you're right, tuna, salmon, uh, certain tins of peas, you know, other other products are in tins that still don't have the mm. ring pull on them. So you we need... The- tuna ring pull but you probably pay about two euro extra for the package well well, you can but look at anyway there's lots of tins that are completely hermetically sealed there are no ring pulls on them and so we need the openers now just Louise proof well we're we're, going to help you today late lunch listeners we're going to help Louise aren't we today I know you are anyway the thing is your opener is one of those old silver styled ones it's a manual one so Mm. you squeeze it Mm -hmm. the little point in it in, uh, makes a dent or a little hole like a in the tooth. tin and then you turn the the, the lever the lever on the outside and it travels round the tin and ideally it should open the whole tin. Now, you, she, Louise brought me in the opener and showed it to me. You were saying maybe the little piercing thing is not sharp enough. Yeah, it's not, do, do you sharpen a tin it, opener? I, I, never, I, never, I heard never heard of that. it. I never heard that in my life to be honest with you. I just think it's gotched. I think you can just recycle it but anyway but I tried all like I showed you another one now, that I brought and not, they don't work for me here's the other one so Louise brought another one explain the mechanism on the other one you catch oh it's it's a more modern one and you're meant to kind of put it sitting on the top in some way and, and there's a little wheel it. on it there's a little inner wheel and you squeeze yeah. it and the wheel is supposed to go around the inside of the, of the can and it opens the lid supposed to and that doesn't work for you either no, no. so and at one stage I think I even got thicker with it because I pierced the it and then I whatever way I went to turn it it turned the can upside yes. down on top of me so I was covered in tuna juice okay well let's let's ask them and then I'm gonna I'm gonna add to this story mm-hmm. folks have you a fail proof can opener that Louise can use please please <laughs> we are uh, or do you use a sharp do you sharpen a tin opener. No, I don't think that old thing. Yet. No, no, but listen, just, <laughs> we're, we're in 2023, not 1923. Hold on a minute, folks. It's not that. It's not an old one. It's it's it's. I would say it's it's still the one most people buy. You know. Now are you finished? Till I, till I make the appeal on your behalf. Are you done? Are you done there? Till I make yeah. the appeal. Okay, I should folks, look is there uh, an uh, 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 one that will work. Have you got a can opener? Have you a can opener that never fails you? That will never fail our Louise. Can you let us know? Uh, uh, have you a make or a model on it? 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. But even better, go on, do this for me. If you're in your kitchen now or even in the workplace or anywhere, will you go and take a picture of the opener? Go on, go on, take a picture of the opener and WhatsApp it in to me now. 086-1800-658. Will you do that for me? Go on, somebody, there has to be somebody who's out there. I'll take a picture of a can opener that works and send it in to us. We get this woman's cans opening fail safe in the future. 086-1800-658 is the number. WhatsApp or text. If you have a model or a name and if you can do the WhatsApp, I'd appreciate it. Anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
add to our story. So what I did was I brought in two openers from my kitchen. And one of them is a real old-fashioned one, but it's fail-proof. It's the one where you, it's a real sharp point and it's a metal thing and there's actually, a a, there's a corkscrew in the middle of it. You know the one I'm talking mm. about? It's a real old, there's a corkscrew in the middle of it that you can take out and open bottles with, and there's a real pointy, you know, uh, mm. thing in it and you can open bottles, a little bottle opener on the top. And do damage. And, and you go bang, you hammer it into the can, which makes, I'll tell you, it gets into the can. Then you hold the can and you go around it. The only thing is, you usually have to head for A&E for about seven <laughs> stitches seven <laughs> stitches in your other hand. That's the only yeah, drawback. It's yeah. a great can opener, mm. but it draws blood more times than not. <laughs> so let's say that one works, but it's a blood sucker. You could be an A&E, you'll, your hand will be in bits. Then I showed you another one of mine. It's a it's similar to your second model. You catch it at the top of the can, squeeze at the wheels, catch the inside of the can and you turn it. Uh-huh. And I've... I'm a bit with you on this. It, sometimes it works. Yeah. Tom, sometimes it misses part of the can. And then you're in attack mode with a knife when you could be heading for A&E again. Yeah. So we are in real trouble yeah, with these we can want openers. To know. And, and, it, and if that happens, like you just said, instead of using a knife, is there something else you can use to get it, open it? A sledgehammer. But your tuna... That wouldn't even work. <laughs> your tuna will be metal impregnated, <laughs> never mind everything else. But um, what can we... What can Louise do? And I wouldn't mind a little assistance on this. What about the... Do you know, the, there's an electric can opener now. Do you know those? You can sit mm. the can in and go, you press it on. No, I'm not mm. buying another gadget. Stop laughing at me. <laughs> Stop laughing. Don't even go there. I'm not buying the electric can opener in case anybody from the family is listening. Here comes Mr. Gadget Guy again. I'm not doing it. But there is an electric one you can sit your can down on. You know that? Yeah. Press a button and, and it will open it. But mm. anyway, has anyone got a manual or a, a twisty or any recommendation for a can opener? We want to hear from you today. So let's hear, they're coming in already. Thank you so much. Michael, Michael Black, lovely to hear from you today. Press down hard on the wheel type, otherwise it won't work. You know, the wheel, that, is that, that your original that's one, the metal one or the other no, that's one? That's the second one. The second the one, wheel type. press down on the wheel. That's yeah, but I don't know whether you put it flat down on top of the can or at an angle to the can. Okay, sorry, says another listener. I'm like Louise. I have exactly the same tin opener. My sister was opening a savings tin with it and it sliced into her finger. She lost so much blood. It's more like a torture device. I couldn't (laughs) agree with you more. There's somebody on the same thinking as ourselves as well. But, you know, I'll tell you this. It is is something that causes a lot of difficulty. Can opening and opening cans. Um, Oh, there's somebody else said, oh, my God, you've just hit the nail on the head to somebody else. Steak and kidney pie. It's a nightmare to open. You know the steak and kidney pies come in the cans. God, it's years since I had one of those. I don't think I've ever had a steak and kidney pie. Huh? Yeah. Oh, my God. Had you not? No. Fr- fr- from the tin. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Here's an image. Look. Look. Can you see the WhatsApps there? Who sent that in to us there? The Never Fails Me one. Yeah. No? Do you see that? Never Fails oh, Me. Oh, yeah. I think I had one of them. Had you? It didn't work. Thank... Uh, did it not? Well, there's that. Li- that's one like we're talking about with the you, you open a little bit, catch the wheels on the side of the can and turn the knob on the top of it and, and it opens the can. Never fails me, says somebody else there. Here's another one. Here's another image coming. In. Hold on, hold on as they come. Ah, uh, do you see that one? Have a look at that one. Battery operated. Battery operated can yeah. opener, says Monica. Thank you, Monica. That looks cool. That looks good, Monica. Mm. Monica, I like that one. It never fails me. Oh my word. I, I've not seen that one before. Keep them coming to us. We 
need to have a look at oh. what you're talking about. <laughs> Do you see that one that just popped in? Oh my God. <laughs> Poor devil. There's somebody oh, after Paul. sending us in a picture. Jerry, my scarred thumb <laughs> from cat. feeding the cat about 25 years ago. I told you. I this, hope you didn't take it out in the cat. Oh, this is a war game. This is a war game with tins and cans and trying to open them. It's a serious business. It is. It's hospital cases for sure. 086-1800-658. If you can take a snap and what's happened into us, I've a can opener that won't fail us in the future. We'd love it. Or else you can just send us a message. Uh, write something to us, you know. Oh, text us 086 1800 send us in fresh tuna <laughs> <laughs> anyway I've had many a bloody battle where they can for sure short break and we're back with your two on Tuesday our two on Tuesday this Tuesday afternoon was released on St Patrick's Day 2017 and you'll know why when I tell you what the song is and who's singing it yes the singer was Mr Ed Sheeran and he wrote the song in collaboration with Irish folk band Bioga And he had an awful battle, actually, to release the song, even to have it on his album, because his record label didn't want to do it at all. He had a massive fight with them, and eventually he won out, because he told them it'd be massive, because, you see, Ed Sheeran, to quote him, said, you know, there are 400 million people in the world who say they are Irish, even if they're not. (laughs) You said it right there, Ed. Anyway, on Two on Tuesday, Mr Ed Sheeran and the Galway Girl. She played the fiddle in an Irish band But she fell in love with an Englishman Kissed her on the neck and then I took her by the hands A baby, I just wanna dance I met her on Grafton Street, right outside of the bar She shared a cigarette with me while her brother played the guitar She asked me, what does it mean? The Gaelic ink on your arm said it was one of my friend's songs Do you want to drink? Oh yes, Galway Girl by Ed Sheeran at two on Tuesday Released on St. Patrick's Day And it was a biggie for him across the world So uh, you're thinking, what? kept that song off the number one top spot. Well, this is a first for me with Two on Tuesday, because the song that kept it off number one was a number one in the UK for 14 weeks in 2017. Two billion streams on Spotify was the best song, selling song of the year by a mile. Selling, listen to this, 41.5 million copies worldwide. It was number one in 34 countries Ed Sheeran must have been so disappointed because the one that kept Galway Girl off the top of the charts was another Ed Sheeran. Here it is. The club isn't the best place to find the lovers so the bar is where I go. Me and my friends at the table doing shots, tripping fast and then we talk slow. Come over and start up a conversation with just me And trust me, I'll give it a chance Now take my hand, stop Discovering something brand I'm in love with the shape of you Shape of you, Ed Sheeran The number one for Mr Sheeran That kept his number two off top spot Galway Girl No contest in my book, Louise I don't know about you No, I don't even know how Galway Girl got to number two (laughs) Neither do I. Shape of You by a mile. What a fantastic song. Absolutely Mm. brilliant. The man is a genius. He really, really is. Anyway, that's your two on Tuesday and the number one on this uh, April Tuesday afternoon. Oh, my word. And late lunch listeners, just fantastic. Yeah, they are. They're great, great people. Honestly, look at the assistance we've got. 
to uh, save you kicking that can down the road. And I'm looking at that poor guy. Well, it could be a lady as well that sent me a message. said, I'm in the middle of painting. Went to the shed to get two tins of ceiling paint. I struggled big time to open the tin, but determination got the better of me. Finally got it open. Ah, Jerry, after all my efforts to open the paint, it was like a brick. (laughs) And, and I could have kicked that tin down the road and around the estate. No understatement. Thank you indeed for that. We can picture your pain. Listen to this about the openers. Elaine Slamming from Dundalk has been on to me. I have an electric one over 10 years. I wouldn't go back as I sliced my thumb 25 years ago. Still have the scar still. Ain't surprised. This is some manoeuvre, I have to say, when you haven't got the right opener. Nora says... A Kenwood electric never fails, Louise. Okay, right. so electric is the way. To well, go, it seems to apparently. be uh, another listener broke several trying to open tins with them. Ended up with no dinner. Ah, oh, sorry for you, <laughs> really. No dinner. No Story opener. of my life. Ah, oh, well, Louise was nearly in the same boat last week. Uh, there's a can opener in Home Store and more. They're hard to get onto the can, but very easy once you get used to it. It's called an easy can. Okay. Okay. That's that another be, recommendation right, for you. Easy can. Easy can. Um, I feel sorry for my elderly parents, Jerry. They can't open the tin with the opener or the new tins with the rings. It takes too much effort. Well, the mm. ring pull is the better, certainly, in that case, I have to say to you. Just buy the tins with the ring pull on them and there's no opener required. Well, that's a very, very worthy suggestion, but... Um, <sighs> It doesn't Can't help always get them. when you have tins with no ring pulls on them. Uh, and uh, the opener, somebody says the opener on the right is great, the one on the left is useless. I don't know what they're talking about there. Is that left-handed opener for mm, left-handed Could person? be. And here's an absolute winner from a listener. I can assure you and Louise, Jerry, that the JML hands-free is the best. I've always wondered about JML stuff. There you are. You JML, hands-free. The ads, you hear okay. them all the yeah. time. That, according to a listener, is the okay. very best. If you can help us with our can opening conundrum, send us a picture of your opener that works well to 086 658 or message or text us as well to the same number. We love to hear from you. You're fantastic to come up with. And I suppose you're wondering, what did Louise have for her dinner? Well, you'll have to stay with us on late lunch to find out. We'll tell you later. <laughs> well, she just might. I'm at to put her on the spot for sure. But up next, our <laughs> Feathered friends have returned. Niall Hatch from Birdwatch is with us. Maybe it's only me, but I got the impression that our visitors from afar, our feathered friends, the migratory birds, especially the ones we love so much summertime here, uh, the house and San Martins, the swallows, etc., were a little bit slow in coming this year. But anyway, the man who knows all about it joins us on the line. He's a very good friend of ours from Birdwatch Ireland, Niall Hatch. Good afternoon. And good afternoon to you. Niall, uh, I had that impression, especially along the East Coast here. I thought they were a slow arriving. Maybe it was as well, Niall, with the very, very cold conditions we've had. Yes, absolutely. Those kind of cold conditions can be a real problem for these migratory uh, members of the swallow family because they feed exclusively on small flying insects. So obviously in cold weather, it's very difficult for them to find those. So it may well have been the case that um, the cold weather patterns may have kept them on the continent maybe a little bit longer and uh, delayed their migration for Africa to a degree. But of course, they don't know the conditions here before mm. they arrive. They can just judge from where they are at, the, at that time. Uh, so yep, certainly we're seeing good numbers of them in now at the moment, I'm pleased to say. 
I quite a, quite a few swallows around my my house today here in North County Wicklow, where I'm talking to you from. Um, seen good reports of of um, sand martins, a few house martins in now at the moment, uh, but um, only the first couple of reports of swifts. We expect to see the swifts, the one of our last migrants, arrive in in the next couple of weeks. They're really, they're really a, mar, a may bird as far as far as migration goes, compared to the the the, the, the swallows of those species, which tend to arrive mainly in April. So which of the family of swallows arrives first, the house of San Martin or the swallow itself? It's actually the, the sand martin that arrives first. It's one of our earliest migrants, and I always associate them with the period around St. Patrick's Day, the sort of a mid-March migrant, uh, although they will keep streaming in for several weeks after that. So at this stage, most of our sand martins should already be here. And then usually in April, a few weeks after that, we, we have our, our, usually our swallows and our house martins arrive around at the same time. Uh, and all of those, those species are migrating up from sub-Saharan Africa. So they've come a very long way to get to us. And Niall, back they go basically to where they left or, you know, the, the usual haunts for them that they come back to each year. They, they go back there, do they? Or do some of them find new homes? Well, their, their homing ability is uncanny. They generally will return to precisely the same place where either they nested the previous year or if it's their first migration where they hatched out the previous year. Now, of course, if that site is no longer available, if, if for the swallows, they say, if the building they, they were nesting in before is no longer accessible or has been demolished, or for the sand martins, if their colony has been eroded because of coastal erosion or whatever, they will try to move to a new site close by, usually as close as they can find it. Uh, but if the site still exists and it's still accessible, then they, they return to it with amazing accuracy. And, and quite how they do it, we're not sure. It's just so precise to think that those birds can travel you know, tens of thousands of kilometres um, over the course of several months and then return to exactly the same spot. It's just mind-blowing. How does this weather, I'll come back to the weather again because it's been inclement and it's been cold, the temperatures are just not picking up, look at last night and uh, another night last week, the frost at night was ferocious, now the days pick up and they're sunny, is that good enough to bring out the fly life to sustain them? Um, well, it's at least just to, to, to sustain some of them. The, the, the fact of it is that yeah, they, they really are um, prone to the vagaries of the weather. And if, if it's cold, or especially if it's raining for prolonged periods, it's very hard for them to find food. Um, that said, it would be worse if the cold spell or heavy rain was a little bit later in, in the breeding season when they've already started nesting in big numbers, because um, at the moment, most of them are just having to feed themselves, not also a whole lot of chicks in the nest. So um, the cold spell now, it's not as serious or severe for them as it would be if it happened in a few weeks' time. But that said, they've undertaken a huge migration. They've already had the, the, the limit of physical endurance. Uh, they've used up a lot of resources to get here. And so they need to, to put that weight back on and get the nutrition up um, to be able to nest successfully. So certainly with, with the weather, you would hope they would have enough sunny periods that they would be able to, to, to find food successfully. But it's not just the weather that affects them, of course. We're seeing fewer and fewer insects in the Irish countryside. Mm-hmm. Uh, a big part of the reason for that is habitat destruction. We need people to respect things like uh, the ban on hedge cutting at this time of year because not alone does that protect the birds that are nesting there, but it protects the insects that are also breeding in those, in those hedgerows uh, and that's food for the, for, for the swallows and, and, the, and the other migrant birds that come to Ireland. So we need to do more to respect nature and to give space for it, I think, at this stage. You mentioned uh, condition there, oh wait. What do they weigh on average? It's tiny, isn't it, though, wait? Oh, yes, yes, yes. We're talking about a bird that weighs maybe 25 grams, 30 grams, that kind of weight. Not, not a heavy bird by any means. Some of even less than that. It depends on how well they've been feeding. So um, a, a very, very lightweight bird. Uh, and to think that they can travel those incredible different distances, it's, it's really amazing. Uh, something that something so small can endure so much. If you think of the journey they have to take, uh, so these birds that are returning to, to Ireland now, the swallows, for example, they've come from 
from the very south of the African continent. So to get here, they've had to fly all the way up across places like the Congolese rainforest. They've had to cross the entire Sahara Desert. They cross the Atlas Mountains, across the Mediterranean, then across the whole continent of Europe, uh, and then across to Ireland, which is really amazing. And then when they breed here, they're going to have to do the whole migration again in reverse, get back down to Africa. Mm. Uh, And uh, the sad fact is that most of those fellows don't survive that migration. Most of the young that leave us uh, this autumn to head off to Africa will not return. It's really just the very fittest of the fit that actually survive and go on to breed themselves. Listeners saying, hi Jerry. I was in Portugal last week and uh, the swallows were on their way to Ireland. All the locals were talking about this, that they were moving. And funny enough, I was in Rome before Easter and I noticed them there as well, much further south, of course, Nile. But that's it, as you say, they're, that's, uh, they're making their way towards Ireland. That's right, absolutely. They're waiting all the time for that weather to be just right for them to move. Uh, and the big enemy of, the, of these birds would be, when they're migrating, would be wind and especially um, heavy rain. They make it very difficult for them for them to fly. Uh, as we said, cold weather, cold conditions mean that it's very hard for them to find food as well. They stop at night. They, they tend to sleep, often in reed beds, actually, strange as that may seem, that they will land there. And that's one thing that really separates the members of the swallow family from, from the swifts, which will be arriving with us soon. They never land. Um, they stay flying no matter what the weather's like. I was in uh, Sligo uh, the weekend before last in Loch Arrow and when I hadn't seen them here on the east coast where I am God almighty Nile on the lake and there were uh, duck fly hatching there were hundreds of swallows you know uh, on the surface dipping dipping obviously feeding away I was just curious you know they're all congregated there because they know there's food I take it then they just go back to where their sites are where they intend nesting when they're finished feeding Oh yes, and, and they can travel long distances if it's worth it. So they'll travel many kilometres if they if they know rich uh, rich feeding, and, and they would be keeping an eye out to, for other swallows and other other birds flying and moving in a way that indicates that they found food. They're very well attuned to that, especially at this time of year when the female swallows in particular they need to take on lots of nutrition in their bodies so they can produce their eggs, and uh, that takes quite a toll on, on a female bird's body. So she needs to get as much nutrition as possible. And uh, those kind of flies, like when they, when they appear in abundance like that, it's, it's too good an opportunity for a bird like a swallow to pass up. Mm, there you are. So they will travel a distance to where they know the food sources are. Also heard the cuckoo then. That was around about the 15th of April. Locals were saying in Sligo was, they thought it, it was a little early. There's a sort of a, a range of a few weeks when you would expect cuckoos to turn up. That, that's more or less normal. I Is it? Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes in mid-April, you would, you, you would expect them. Very occasionally, you get uh, records as late as or as early as the as the end of end of March. Um, but uh, earlier than that, although reports do come in, often they turn out to be something else. So I'd, I'd say that's kind of par for the course. Is that the male bird that's calling there? Yes, with the cuckoo, that, that famous cuckoo song, they're saying its name, it's just the male that does that. That's his song to, to impress the females. He wants to attract in, uh, attract in as many mates as he can get. Most birds at this time of year with the dawn chorus, they're, they're singing also to defend a territory where they would nest. Cuckoos don't really care about that because, of course, they don't build their own nest. They, uh, they, they, the female eventually lays her eggs in the, in the nest of other birds. So all that male cares about uh, for the first few weeks when he arrives, he wants to mate with as many females as possible. And that's his job done. He, then he can, he can take it easy for a few weeks before heading back down to back down to Africa, uh, the females they stay around a bit longer. They're laying their eggs, uh, but once that job is done, well, 
they don't have any further work to do by raising their brood. It's the unwitting foster parents that do that. And then what happens is the young cuckoos are the last to leave. So they'll be in the country for another month or so after their, their, their parents, who they never met, have left. And one of the great mysteries of the bird world is um, how those, those cuckoos who've never met their parents uh, don't even know that they're cuckoos or what a cuckoo is, how they know precisely where they should fly in Africa and how they should behave. It's all genetically coded, obviously, in their brain. But it's quite remarkable. It's one of the most intriguing mysteries of all. It really is. It's fascinating and it's all, you know, contained in the wild world, the natural world as well. What about corn crakes? Are corn crakes migratory, Niall? They are. They're strongly migratory and, and it seems strange that a bird that normally when we, when we encounter them here in Ireland they're very reluctant to fly. They, they skulk around in, in the long grass in rank vegetation. They run around and they, they're very hard to see. But what they do is then they migrate after the breeding season, they migrate all the way to, to southern Africa. Uh, it's thought that uh, many of the, the Irish, or at least the, the small remaining population of Irish corncrakes probably migrate to somewhere like Angola, uh, where it's very difficult to track them in the winter and then they return. So it seems strange that a bird that doesn't look like it's really built for flight, built more for running on the, on the, on the land, uh, is actually uh, one of the longest distance migrants we have. And uh, there's great hopes this year, again, just going back to Sligo, I know I'm harking on it for a moment, but uh, and uh, again, I've heard over there that the bird has been heard, but it is making a, a, a revival in that county. It is, and, and it, it, it's good to see things like that happening because the, the, the corn crate population in Ireland has been absolutely decimated in recent years. It's, it's mainly due to habitat loss, this intensification of agriculture. Climate change has been having a big effect on them as well uh, because uh, they're, they're ground nesting birds. So when things like summer flooding happens, it, it destroys their eggs and their chicks. And they're, they're short-lived birds. They only live for about two years. So if you get two bad breeding seasons in a row, the whole population is wiped out from an area. They always return to exactly the same spot uh, where, they, uh, where they themselves hatched out, just like, like, the, like the swallows do. We believe they do it by following the stars. They seem to plot their course using the night sky, which is quite amazing. Uh, and uh, so, you know, if you think back in around 1950, there was a, a national census done of, of corncrakes. There were about 50,000 pairs of corncrakes in Ireland, and now there's about 150 pairs left. So, anything oh. um, that can help them is, is very welcome. If they're, if they're spreading it back into, into new areas, that's, that's very welcome news. Oh, absolutely. Such a collapse in the population. And it is a warning uh, uh, across the board for all species. So when uh, do we expect uh, the main migrants from the swallow family to start nesting and uh, that season to begin the breeding? Very, very soon. It could be any time now. The next couple of weeks, you can expect to see them going around gathering beakfuls of mud um, and nesting. The swallows are famous, famously, they nest inside buildings. So they nest inside porches, sheds, barns, garages, places like that. And the house martin, which is a similar looking bird, but it doesn't have the red face of a swallow. It has a shorter tail with those long tail streams with a white lower back patch as well. They're the ones that made the nests of mud uh, on the outside wall of a house underneath the eaves. And so people will start seeing them gathering that mud now. Uh, and the sand martins, they they look very similar in terms of their body shape, but they nest in a very different way. They excavate tunnels in uh, in riverbanks and in soft cliff faces, and they nest in there. Uh, so, yeah, that could, that could be happening in the next few days, I would expect, for people to see the, these birds building their nests and, and kicking off the whole nesting season. It is fascinating. As usual, Niall, thank you for joining me, and I encourage everybody to join. I'm a member of Birdwatch Ireland myself, wonderful organisation. They send out lovely information and packs to you and keep you in the loop all year, and they have a wonderful shop there as well to enhance your garden with feeders and more besides. Until the next time, thanks a million, Niall.
Thanks for having me. Thank you. Birdwatch Ireland, if you can at all, it's a well worthwhile membership to take out. Late lunch, LMFM radio, back to the openers and more besides in a moment. Stay with us. Ah, Louise, I was really saddened when I heard yesterday the news of the passing of one of my old teachers. Oh. Johnny Gregory was his name. And I interviewed him on Late Lunch here many moons ago. You know, when you're a teacher, that always stays with you through your life. That makes a Was he primary or secondary? He was a secondary teacher. What did he teach? And Irish. Oh, mm. Irish was a spe- speciality. He loved the Irish. He, he taught more besides, mm. but he was a Gael Gore. And do you know what he was? He was the son of Drogheda. He was a, a lad like myself that grew up in the town. You know what I mean? And parents worked hard. At his, he was well before me, he, you know, to go to secondary school was an achievement, never mind to go to university. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You know what I'm talking yeah. about? And he never forgot that. He never, ever forgot that. And he loved lads doing well. You know what I'm talking about? He loved so lads. knocking them, he had Yeah, them. G- getting on in life, yeah. making things for themselves. And he was just, he was a lovely, lovely man, so Aww. he was. And... Teachers his, often make school, don't they? They do. And they make people. Yeah. And, and Johnny Gregory did that. And he lost his wife, Bernie, a few years ago, a lovely woman. And he survived by his three daughters, son-in-law's grandchildren. I want to extend my sympathy to them all today. I'll never forget him. And, and I just saw the reaction mm. to his passing last night. He was 91. Oh. And people, just the outpouring of love for him, summed up the man. He's gone but never will be forgotten. And he lives on through mm. all the people he thought and pupils he thought in uh, St. Joseph's CBS over And I'm the sure the peop- some of the book, those that he thought have gone on to be teachers yes. and hopefully will have um, yes. you know, embraced yes. his ethos. And on it goes. And, and it goes. Er yes ye goreva anam. And I say that with heartfelt sincerity mm. in Irish. May he rest in peace. He was a lovely, lovely man. He really was. I think of Johnny and his family today. Um Back to uh, the cuckoo. You'd know this. Corstown Bog, the cuckoo has been seen in Corstown in County Mead. Seen, but not heard. Right. uh, On front of my conversation with Niall Hatch a few minutes ago. That could be the female. She doesn't go cuckoo. Isn't that funny? Yeah. It's the boy. He's calling. It's <laughs> calling the women, you know. No, it's the woman that makes the noise. <laughs> True. The cuckoo's got it arseways from every perspective. <laughs> Just they don't know where they're rare. They don't know who they are. <laughs> and they go somewhere. That'd they be don't the know male where they're going. Side. <laughs> True. <laughs> Come on, I have to stand up for the boys here. I just can't take that on the chin. Anyway, the openers. Did you see that one? Um, th- thank you so much for advising uh, us, and especially our Louise. I'll have to go shopping now this weekend. The Moulinex. Is that how you pronounce it? Moulinex. Open Classic, it's called. The Moulinex Open Classic Electric. Nolene says it never fails. Listen to this. Do you know how long she has it? And it's working away. 29 years. It was a wedding present. Oh, wow. What about that? You see it there, the mm. Moulinex. I don't know whether you could get that now. It's looking like electric, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, I think electric have have it. A&E's in Ireland will be singing. They're so happy if people all get electric <gasps> openers. Oh, what? Kathleen Black has given it it looks like um Yeah. It, it looks like the Grim Reaper's scythe. <laughs> what is it? You know, it's a really old style to opener. She's had it forty years. Oh my god. Oh but that's she said people just come to hey, her to ask to open things. Hey Kathleen. That's that, not what you're talking that's about. That's what I brought in yesterday. Kathleen, I have one as well. 
and not as long as you but I have one of those weapons too so I have <laughs> it's a weapon yeah oh it's a weapon a medieval weapon oh yeah you have to like. use the cloth with it or put on a metal glove <laughs> that it won't cut the hand off you but Kathleen it does the business that's for sure lots of high profile deaths recently Dame Edna we were talking about yesterday Len Goodman and news just breaking that Harry Belafonte uh, the famous singer and uh, civil rights activist has died. He was 96 years of age. He died at his home in Manhattan, New York. What a fantastic man he was. That's Harry Belafonte. Uh, news just breaking of his passing. And thank you, Parik Rath. Parik's been in touch to say, uh, I was very so- sorry to hear of Johnny Gregory's passing. I mentioned my Moonshore uh, before three on the show. He was a quiet, unassuming gentleman and a brilliant teacher. He said to us on the first day we had him in second year for classes that if we do our work in the class and the 10 minutes of homework each night that he would give us our intercert, he would, uh, our intercert was assured. It was the junior cert, of course, it's called now. And I've quoted him on many occasions to parents who thought their children were not studying hard enough. May rest in peace. Thank you indeed, Boric, for that lovely message. Now, Dundalk Lions Club, 25th uh, Poker Classic, the big fundraiser of the year. First prize, €3,000 guaranteed in the list to bar. A lovely list you on the Newry Road, Dundalk, this Sunday starting at five o'clock. Tickets are 80 euro and they'd welcome your support. I have two tickets to give away today. The question was, what was the number one hand when it came to a poker? The winning hand that couldn't be beaten, a royal flush. I was looking for Eileen Breen and Bernie Rice. Ye have a ticket each. Health aware. I hope you go on and win the big jackpot there on Sunday. And Country Fest happening this weekend in Inniskeen, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Going along on Friday evening is Sheila Phelan. Those pair of tickets are yours on Late Lunch today. We'll be in touch with all to make the arrangements. Let's do this now on Late Lunch. Five, four, three, two, one. Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... Better put up my favour. The number four from 1977. What am I doing? My old mind is wandering here. Anyway, yes, it's this week in 1977 and the number four in the UK charts. The song today is from the album Songs in the Key of Life. I'll tell you one thing. If you want an album in your collection that should be part and parcel of any collection, it's Songs in the Key of Life. It's one of those... All-time classic albums by who? Mr. Stevie Wonder. And this particular song topped the U- US Billboard charts. It was number one there. It reached number two in the UK singles, but this week it was actually down to number four. The song was written in tribute to Duke Ellington, the influential jazz legend who died in 1974. And through the lyrics, if you listen, uh, there's also mention of Count Basie, Glenn Miller, Louis Armstrong and Ella Fitzgerald. Yes, the number four from this week in 1977 from the album Songs and the Key of Life. It's Mr. Stevie Wonder and Sir Duke. (laughs) 
Sir Duke, Stevie Wonder, the number four from this week in 1977. Three on the way tomorrow, two Thursday and the number one on Friday. And Casey with the story in this week's Meath Chronicle. Navin Arts Club have lost their home of 37 years at Beaufort College. Shay Castley, our good friend, is on the line. Hi, Shay. Hi, Jerry. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining me. 37 years. Now, you were out from before the pandemic and not back there since. Uh, when did you get the official confirmation it was no longer available, Beaufort? Well, it just kind of came out after COVID uh, that the, the room was not available anymore. So what we're trying to do is find a new home around the Mead Navin area for the Arch Club. Mary David is the lady who's involved and I'm just sharing the plea far and wide to see is there a sports hall available a couple of evenings a week for training and for just get together. I know Navin uh, Pitch and Putt Club and Claremont have stepped into the breach and you're very grateful to both of them I know but what are you looking for? You're looking to bring everybody together that's not too easy is it? It's not. Well, I suppose in different evenings to be different activities, so there could be difference in numbers. But uh, we're looking to get kind of a decent sports hall, kind of like what you would see in a school that mightn't be used in the evenings. And maybe some of the primary schools would have something available that could be used in the evenings for us. And, you know, you're fantastic people. You have 120 come together. You participate in a range of sports and activities. It's all coming together and social event too. But look at your uh, success over the years and in particular uh, this coming uh, year, Fiona Brady and Jack Egan heading to the Special Olympic World Games in Berlin for the table tennis and swimming events. So, you know, you've achieved and you have people there who love the sporting aspect of things. Oh, it's it's amazing, and especially after COVID, to get back, to get to see people back in action. Uh, look, you have Francie Gavin, you have Fiacre Mishby, the lads are into table tennis. There's great awards there in the club where you participate against the different arts clubs around the country, and it's just an amazing, and that's why we're looking for a new homes, so we can kind of invite people back up here, and we can go to their premises and just keep the competitions going. So you're looking ideally for a school gymnasium. That's what you're looking for, really. You're making an appeal today. Yeah, if possible, if possible. And there has to be something that's lying idle that could be used. uh, And we'll definitely put it to a good use because the guys are just amazing. Uh, They love coming together. They love seeing their peers. And not only is it a sporting outlet, it's a great social outlet for, for mm-hmm. them to get together every week. So is there anybody listening today can help Navin Arch Club? They are a fantastic group. They just need a place, a school gym if possible. Is there anybody out there can help them at all? What's the best way to contact you, Shay, if somebody has uh, something that they can offer you? Well, through the Facebook or through Mary Davis or myself, I'll gladly pass information on to Mary and the team there in the Arts Club so if if you want I can give you my number uh, so you can give it out at the end of the show go ahead Uh, or I can give you it's 087 2800 908 and what I'll do is I'll pass all information to Mary and she will have a chat Great stuff. So that's Shay on 0872 800 908 we have the number here as well 
they need help. They'd love help. And I know there's somebody out there with a big heart who will help them as well. We want this to continue. 37 years in Beaufort and they have 120 people they look after across the board in sports and more besides. Shay, I hope we have good news soon for you. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thank you so much, Jerry. Thank Not you at all. You. Take care of yourself. By the wonderful Shay Castley there, Navin Arts Club. Can you help them? If you can, please do. I encourage it. I really do. That's it on Late Lunch for another afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. We're back with the midweek show tomorrow at 1.30 and we're starting with The Price of Shopping. Don't miss it tomorrow. We have a great feature for you to begin the show tomorrow. But we leave you today with a man who's just passed away in recent hours. I mentioned him. Harry Belafonte. Here he is. This is the talent that's gone. We remember him leaving you today on Late Lunch. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.